This is Amateur Logic, episode 112 for December 15th, 2017. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com, and by ICOM. Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Unwrap one of ICOM's HF transceivers. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And it's good to be back with everyone for our, uh, well, what? Are we, it's not the... Christmas Spectacular. It's the Christmas Spectacular, that's correct. I and was, it should be spectacular. Yeah, the extravaganza was a different episode. Yeah. But nevertheless, this will be spectacular. As you can see there... Live from Santa's workshop, it's our friend Mike, the E3MIC. Mike, good to see you again. Good to see you, as always. So have we got anything special lined up for Christmas tonight? Oh, I think we have a few things that you might be uh, interested in or I, might find interesting. I, yeah, <laughs> I think I think we do. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what that is because I don't even have a clue. No. You, well, you got one clue, but it's not a good one. Yeah, I may leave for that part. Yeah, when you see it, you're gonna. It's gonna. It's not gonna go the way you think it was going. Uh oh. <laughs> I'll just put Maybe it. Maybe like I really that. am gonna leave. <laughs> well, Peter, what's been going on down under? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, we're just coming into summer, and uh, uh, as we get closer to Christmas, everybody's sort of winding down, and I'm looking forward to uh, spending a little bit more time on the air and. Also, tinkering around in the workshop and getting a few things done. That sounds like a perfect plan. Email, what about you? You had snow just like us today. Man, it's it's snowing in the swamps of southeast Louisiana, and uh, it's hitting freezing. We're supposed to have a hard freeze tonight. Uh, we're not quite used to that down this way, so we tend to panic and stay off the roads. At least I hope we stay off the roads. Yeah, the snow here... I. I heard it on the news. I've forgotten when the last time was we had this much snow, but I think this is like number six on the record for the most snow we've ever had on this day. Yeah. I remember when I first moved back from Missouri, um, maybe a year or so after I moved back, we got about this much. We did up at yeah. my house anyway, but that's been close to 10 years. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. When's the last time you saw snow down there, Emil? I want to say it's two or three years, uh, if not more. It's, okay. it's been a while. Yeah. And, and especially, uh, this seems to be a little bit heavier than I've seen it in a long time. Yeah. Well, Mike, I know y'all never have snow up there. Do you think you'll see any this Christmas? Uh, <laughs> we have a slight chance of snow this year, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> um, interesting, I was going to mention there's a, um, a ham outlet in Texas that has a kind of a money-back guarantee 
if it snows, I think, more than an inch on Christmas Day, your purchase is free. I thought that was kind of a kind of an interesting uh, marketing tool. Wow. And if it snows in Texas or if it snows anywhere? In, t- in Texas. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because yeah. some people would be just cleaning up on that. So it, the weather, is the temperature cold enough yet to consider antenna work? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have a um, off-center fed dipole that's just uh, waiting to be put up, and um, it's almost cold enough now. I had to wait for all the foliage to drop off, and that's gone. Um, and now uh, the ground's starting to firm up pretty nicely. So, yeah, <laughs> I would say in another week or so, when it's in the minus double digits, it'll be perfect antenna hanging weather. Yeah, as soon as you get a little ice on the ground. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the squirrels are not quite as bad this time of year on the on the my antennas anyway. I don't know about yours. Yeah, uh, they were out last weekend pretty good. I, now since I've gotten home today, I haven't really been outside to see, but uh, I suspect they're scarce today. Yeah, you know, anytime we're doing a show uh, live during the recording, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. If you'd like to jump in there and say hello to everyone and follow along. It's at amateurlogic.tv slash chat. If we're not streaming live uh, and you're watching the recording, there's probably not going to be anybody there. Uh, That's a good chance. Uh, There'll be a couple of people there, but there won't be much chatter going on. But if you're not, uh, if you're watching live and you're not in the chat room, you're missing a lot of the fun. So come on and join the other gang in there. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, you've been, well, you've had a little project in mind here. I think for a while, and you finally found all the. Yeah, pieces. I've been. Uh, I picked up some parts and uh, was looking for a way to power the little Arduinos that I picked up in Dallas, and I uh, came up with a, a two little boards to use in a combination. It seemed to make a, a good power solution, so I thought I'm going to share it with people this week. When I was in Dallas a few weeks ago, I went to Micro Center. I found a bunch of these Arduino Pro Mini clones on sale. Uh, they're pretty nice. They were on sale for $4, so I think I bought maybe five of them, four or five. Uh, they don't have a serial port on it, so to, to program it, you just need this little USB to serial adapter. That was like 7 bucks, and it plugs onto the header pins right there. Uh, real easy to deal with. If you already have any other serial adapter like that, you can use the jumper pins and plug them on there, or jumper wires, rather, plug them onto there to program it. So this this is not dedicated to this particular board but it's real handy <clears throat> these run off of five volts so i've got a project in mind that i want to do with these and i was looking for a five volt power source and one thing i was thinking about using was a pair of batteries and a step down uh converter but what i i've ran across something on ebay and i thought i'd give it a try it's actually a pair of boards I've got this TP4056 board. It has a USB plug for power to charge your battery, or you can put two wires on there like I did on this other one and hook a 5-volt power source to it to charge your lithium battery. So it also has voltage protection built in. And what that means is if you use lithium batteries like these, this is a cheap Chinese knockoff, so it's it's a not a great battery, but anyway, it's good enough for showing the demo here. But if you run these all the way down, 
you'll ruin them and there's a good chance you won't ever get them to charge back up so all they'll be good for is the garbage this little board if you hook it up properly once the battery gets to a certain voltage it should shut off the the drain on it the load coming out of it and save your battery from being over discharged and cut off your device you don't really want to run your device on low voltage either because it can be bad for some of the components there too the the problem is this is a 3.7 volt battery but this is a 5 volt device so what does that mean I need to get that up to 5 volts I also ran across these little booster boards these these charger boards were two for 99 cents are very cheap and these little boosters they'll go from 1 volt or take 1 volt in up to 5 volts in and give you 5 volts out a constant steady 5 volts which makes the Arduino Pro Mini happy so I'm going to hook these together and see if I can get them to work to power my device I went ahead and saved some time and I hooked up a 16550 battery holder to the input for the battery input for the charger and then I went ahead and hooked up the outputs of this that's supposed to go to the load to one of these 5 volt uh, step up converters and then I, I just put these quick connectors on the end uh, so I could quick hook it up and disconnect it to my Arduino as I'm testing things let's check and see where this thing actually turns off and if it still provides me 5 volts all the way up until time that it shuts off the power going to my Arduino. If it does, then this will make a really nice rechargeable power supply for my portable Arduino project that I've got coming up. Instead of using this battery, we're going to try it with the battery first. And then I'm going to use the power supply here to substitute the battery so I can vary the voltage and see where it turns off. Let's go ahead and show you that it works with the battery. Check the voltage. Okay, so you can see I've got no load hooked up other than this booster. And then my battery goes in, comes here, and I've got a light on the booster. Let's hook it up to my Arduino. <clears throat> I've got a little small sketch on here that uses pulse width modulation to raise and lower the brightness of this LED. And also flashes the built-in LED. It's just to be able to see that something's going on. So you can see I've got power going to the booster and it's enough to power my Arduino and my little sketch is running you see the LED bright and this one's blinking why well, I have both of them blinking just because I can it was just something something else to do when I was throwing the sketch together okay so let's check some voltage here see what we've got Now coming from the battery, I've got 4 volts. Going into my booster, I've got 4 volts. Coming out of my booster into my Arduino, it's easier to check it right here. I've got 5.3 volts. That, that proves that it's working. 4 volts is getting stepped up to 5. So let's go ahead and substitute the battery let me use this this battery is a little bit difficult to pull out of there and I'm going to change this down to 4 volts which is what it showed on my battery 
I'll hook it up to the negative side of the battery holder. I've got four volts for my power supply replacing my battery right here. Let's get this around where you can see it. And let's go ahead and hook it up and you can see that it still runs my sketch. So let's go ahead and start stepping this down. When this goes down, the light should go off on here and my Arduino should go down. So let's just do it in increments. Let's go to 3.5. I got 3.5. I should still have 5 volts over here. And I do. I've still got 5.23. Let's let's turn it down some more. 3. I still got 5.21 and my sketch is still running. So let's go on down to 2.6. Wow, it's still running. Oh, sorry, that's 2.8. 2.7. Uh, when I hit 2.7, or uh, 2.6 rather, it shut everything off. That gave me a solid 5 volts supplied all the way to my Arduino until I hit 2.6 or 2.7 volts in, which would mean my battery was down like that. I shut off the load through my little protection device here, my little TP4056, and everything's all happy and safe. I didn't run my Arduino on low voltage. I didn't drain my battery down too much to kill it. I think I have a good combination of boards here to power my device safely. The nice thing about this little TP4056 board is you can use it to charge your battery. Um, once the battery's charged, there's a little light on here that'll turn blue that tells you that it's fully charged. Now, I, I did play with it earlier and the, it didn't turn off while I still had the load on there, so I would suggest disconnecting your Arduino before you use it to charge your battery. But these little boards I bought, I got them off of eBay. The TP4056, this was two boards, just like this, for 99 cents, shipped. And these little booster, 5-volt booster boards, were uh, 99 cents a piece. And they'll do up to 500 milliamps, which will power that little Pro Mini just fine. You'll definitely be seeing these coming up in the future. 73. That's pretty nice. Yeah, they're pretty cool. It makes a nice little power supply. I, I did see Tim, uh, Tim A. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm probably butchering his name up. I do that every time. Asked about the noise from the little device. I didn't measure. I didn't measure that with the scope, but the the device was perfectly happy with it. I'm, I'm sure there's probably some side effects from the way that uh, booster works. And uh, maybe I'll go back and hook that up to the scope sometime and take a look at that too. But, yeah. But uh, Tommy, it, it was working great. Hmm? Does your power supply read current as well as voltage? No, not that one. Well, oh, okay. actually, it does. That one does. I, I just uh, was interested to know whether or not you tried it uh, on current mode, uh, and as you decreased the voltage, if you saw the current rise uh, when you were dropping uh, down to the to the bare minimum of the dropout voltage. Uh, I, I did not notice that, uh, but I probably should go back and take a look at that sometime. Maybe I, I'll probably do a little bit more experimentation with it. But um, anyway, they're pretty cool little devices. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, the price was right, too. Hey, email. 
cheap old man compliant. <laughs> yeah, well, for a do- for a dollar and fifty cents, you can uh, keep from over over discharging your your battery. Yeah, um, and you can safely charge it too. Safely, that's a big and safely charge it. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to look into those myself because I know that I've got some projects I could yeah. use it on. As a matter of fact. One I just finished, I probably could have used it all. Yeah, I did. Just incidentally, I did uh, just let that thing run, and it'll run about a day and a half off of that one battery okay. for one charge. Cool. Well, we're going to be back in just a moment. Uh, we got a lot more to go yet, so hang around. And uh, let's take uh, a look here at a new product MFJ is about to come out with. If you order it now, you should have it in time for Christmas. But I think it's something a lot of people are going to want. Oh, yeah. SDR transceivers are great with colorful waterfall displays that accurately present everything there is to see across the band at a single glance. If you want to know where the activity is, who's generating splatter, what's happening in the DX window, how wide your audio is, or what frequencies are clear for calling CQ, it's all right there. Unfortunately, it's information you won't get from many conventional radios without wasting a lot of time tuning around. However, you don't need to get rid of that perfectly good rig to go SDR, thanks to miniature wideband SDR receivers like SDR Play's RSP family, now available at a station accessory price. All it takes is a convenient way to pair one up with your transceiver. That's where the MFJ1708 SDR comes in. Here's how it works. The MFJ1708 SDR provides a matched end-signal splitter, so your transceiver and SDR unit share the same high-performance antenna system. This arrangement allows you to simultaneously watch and listen. Then, when you key up to transmit, the MFJ1708 SDR cuts off and grounds the SDR antenna line, providing your SDR with bulletproof protection from damaging RF. It's the perfect plug-and-play solution for upgrading your shack to widescreen living color. The MFJ1708 SDR uses the PTT signal from your rig to initiate the switching, but as a fail-safe measure, built-in RF sensing circuitry will provide a measure of safety if the PTT connection is lost. Why not let the MFJ1708 SDR complete your shack? MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. Now that's pretty awesome. That's that's useful, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That must be that's brand new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was so brand new that they couldn't send me one to to use for the commercial. Oh wow! But but they should be um, well. If you order it now, you should be able to get it by Christmas. Oh, cool. So yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, our friend John Baggett. K2BAG. Mike, you know John. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I'm just looking in the chat room. I don't think he's with us. He might be on the road still. He has been abducted. I think it was by American Airlines. He and the hat, they're somewhere. Yeah, he's probably trying to keep up with the hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they are on a flight right now, so he was going to miss tonight's nice episode, um, at least live. However, we, we've got a few photos here of the hat in action. Uh, this first one here, Tommy, guess where that one was taken? The North Pole? No, Hatlanta. <laughs> where? Hatlanta. Hatlanta. Yeah. 
Atlanta? At the airport. And uh, I think the <laughs> caption was, uh, I wonder what the hat is wanting for Christmas. I don't know. I, I said the bare necessities. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But the hat ran into Santa Claus in another location as well, Los Angeles. Wow, man. From coast to coast. Yep. You know, Santa Claus looks different out west than he does back east. <laughs> I just noticed that. He looks a little older here over in, you know, yeah. this side of the country. Well, he's got the fresh air and sunshine out there. I guess so. Hanging out at the maybe, beach, probably. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, John, thanks for keeping us apprised of all uh, the hats travels. That's not all the the hat photos that he posted this month. Yeah. That's just a couple I grabbed there just so we could take a look at yeah. it. Well, if you wanted one of those hats, Tommy, where could you get that? You know, it's funny that you ask because we is, have a slide it? right here coming up. You can get it at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Not only do we have hats, we've got shirts, jackets, uh, all, all kinds of things on there. Yeah. So, uh, and not only is it just amateur logic, we also have a ham college swag on mm -hmm. there too you're big on numbers aren't you peter i'm a bit of a stati statistician uh into the numbers and uh yeah i've been looking at the numbers of amateur radio operators uh in the u.s the uk and uh down here in australia and um hmm, some interesting results which is the reason for this next segment hello and welcome once again Whilst looking around for a topic for today's segment, I stumbled across some statistics that were both good and bad. They concern the number of licensed amateur radio operators in Australia and the United States. First, let's have a look at the number of licensed hams in the US. As you can see, numbers were declining until about 2007. However, after that, we've seen a slow but steady increase. That's probably attributable to the dropping of Morse code from the amateur exams. Similarly, in Britain, Ofcom statistics show that the numbers in the UK have risen by about 10% over the past five years, which is great. Now let's turn our attention to the statistics for Australia. In a similar fashion to the US, we had declining numbers of amateurs, but after 2007, the numbers started to increase. This was probably due to the introduction of the Foundation Licence in Australia. However, more recently, numbers have started declining again, and that's a concern. I can't point the finger at any one cause for the decline. It may simply be the demographics of the amateur population here in Australia. However, maybe in this segment, I can make a small effort to encourage some of you who have been thinking about becoming an amateur to study and take the exams. In this segment, I'll briefly outline why I think amateur radio is a great hobby and show you the steps you need to take to get licensed. For those of you overseas, the procedures will be slightly different, but nonetheless, the advice is similar. First up, why become a ham? The answer to that question has to do with the radio spectrum. The radio spectrum provides a means of communication through which you can pass many different forms of information using modes such as voice, television, 
space communications, fax, radio teletype, and so on. This radio spectrum is very large, but for practical purposes, it's finite. In other words, it's limited. Commercial companies are currently paying millions of dollars for the right to use slabs of the spectrum for their commercial purposes, e.g. mobile phone communications. So as you can see, radio frequencies are both limited and valuable. Now imagine then if most of the governments around the world agreed to set aside large slabs of these valuable frequencies for electronic and radio enthusiasts to experiment with, communicate with, and use for emergency communications. And the government set very few limits on how the spectrum could be used. That would be pretty cool, right? You could hook computers up to each other by radio, talk to astronauts on the International Space Station, communicate with people on the other side of the world, and transfer matter over radio waves, like in Star Trek. But hang on, that's not amateur radio. Governments would never give people that kind of power, and isn't amateur radio just the old guy down the road with a Morse key who constantly yells at you to get off his lawn? Well, the truth is that amateur radio is all the above. Yes, governments really have made these great slabs of radio spectrum available for people to experiment with, and at relatively low cost. You can use these radio frequencies to talk to people across the world, send and receive computer data, and yes, you can talk to an astronaut on the International Space Station with some relatively low-cost equipment. Yeah, it sure is. It's uh, it's Mount Everest, and uh, when I was there, that was taken at base camp. Uh, have you been there? Oh yeah, yeah, we've been to base camp a couple of. Times. Yeah, it was just such a such a beautiful day, and uh, and such a such an incredible shot of uh, of Everest that I wanted to take it there. Um, I had uh, my spacewalking buddy uh, Scott Parazinski from my uh, shuttle flight uh, uh, back a couple of years, uh, three years ago. Um, was uh, trying for the summit. I, I just was going to base camp and then, uh, and then um, uh, just around, around base camp there. I should correct myself on the matter transference bit, though. We're still working on that one. There's a catch, though. Just like driving a car, you need to pass an exam and get a license to use these frequencies. Here in Australia, we have three classes of license. The foundation license, the standard license and the advanced license. The foundation license is comparatively simple to get. It involves a 25-question multiple-choice quiz as well as a hands-on practical assessment. A foundation license holder can use a limited number of modes on a number of specified frequency bands at a lower power level using off-the-shelf radio equipment. Kids are welcome to sit for the exam and we're always encouraging ladies to get their ham licenses as well. This exam is not rocket science. You can pass it quite easily with a little effort. Once you've been a foundation licensee for a while, you can take the standard license exam, which involves a 50-question multiple-choice exam. If you pass this, you'll be able to transmit with greater power, use many more modes of transmission, and build or modify your own transmitting equipment. 
The Holy Grail is the Amateur Radio Advanced License, which gives you all the ham radio bands, all the modes of transmission, and maximum transmitting power. Again, this involves a 50-question multiple-choice exam. Don't think, though, that you can't do much with the Foundation License. You can easily talk to people on the other side of the world using this license. You can not only talk long distance using a high-frequency radio with a big antenna, but you can also use a handheld radio to talk to people all over the world using special internet wormholes that amateur radio operators have developed. These wormholes are called IRLP and Echolink, and they take your signal and relay it to a designated city overseas using the internet. Somebody in that other city, for example Paris, will hear your transmitted signal as if you were just down the road. Also, radio transmissions from amateurs in that other city will be relayed back to you, so you can have a two-way conversation. So how can you get started in earning your foundation license? I recommend that first of all, you buy a copy of Your Entry into Amateur Radio, which you can get from the National Body for Amateurs in Australia, the Wireless Institute of Australia. Next, you should do what I did and find an amateur radio club that will teach you what you need to know to pass your foundation license exam. Plenty of clubs offer amateur radio lessons, and that's how I got my first license. You can find a list of clubs at the Wireless Institute website. The great teachers at these clubs will not only teach you everything you need to pass your exam, but will provide great advice about buying ham equipment and setting up antennas. You'll also make some great friends and work out which parts of the hobby will interest you. Well, I've now done my bit to encourage you to get your license. It's up to you to find a radio club and get started studying. Amateur radio is a great hobby and you'll never regret getting your license. Um, there are lower level licenses that are quite easy to get. Foundation license in Australia or in the UK. Um, I think it, you might have a novice or a, uh, I forget what the lower level is in, in America. But again, with a bit of study, uh, you can get that quite easily. And what, so uh, a better way to start off the new year. Yeah. What class are you? Uh, I'm, I'm advanced. I'm at the okay. top level. Okay. We don't have uh, any. Peter, so, something tells me that uh, I think we might be using or traversing that same wormhole you were referring to <laughs> right now. Well, uh, we're not actually using Echolink or IRLP at the moment, but um, it's funny, though, when I first got in contact with George many, many years ago, I actually did so using Echolink. So uh, yeah. this shows you uh, the power of these wormholes. Peter. Yeah, Mike. I was I was uh, looking at your numbers, and um, I I was just wondering. The thought went through my head when when you when you started to go downhill around 2012. Wasn't that around the time when the Raspberry Pi and the and the Ar- Arduino started to make it big? I'm wondering if if maybe we lost some amateurs to uh, to the maker community with these uh, real expensive uh, single bore computers. I don't think so, simply because uh, those products were also available in the UK and America, yet your numbers have continued to rise as well. So it's, that's probably not the influence. It'll be something relatively local to Australia that's, uh, that's caused that. 
Maybe uh, we took the, our eye off the ball a little bit. We need to make a bigger effort to try to get, encourage younger people into the hobby here in Australia. I don't know, but uh, it's not a criticism of anybody, just saying we do need to do something about it. Well, um, you know, in the United States, it's not all young people that that you're seeing get licensed. That, As our numbers grow, a lot of those are, are people who have... Um, you know, or wanted to be amateurs for a lot of years and finally had the time to get into it. Uh, some some folks have retired. Some some not. Some middle aged people, and and uh, and kids as well. You know, it's kind of, it's a pretty big mix there. But it's certainly I don't think um, today that it's it's young people like it was. You know. 30 or 40 years ago. No, but you got to admit, though, you, you do see a pretty big push, even from the radio manufacturers, from the clubs, from a lot of different places where people are pushing really hard to, to put radio in front of the, young, the kids. My observation of um, the hobby and younger people today uh, is that uh, younger people, my own kids included, are very much into gaming. So if there is any way that we can somehow combine amateur radio with gaming, and contesting springs to mind, um, I think that's a, a good avenue for attracting new people into the hobby. We're going to come back in just a moment. We're going to take another break. I've got a project I've been working on for several months, on and off, not, not continuously, but whenever i got a few minutes, I put it into to building a certain item that I needed here. And I think you may find it interesting. You've kind of you haven't really seen it in action, but you've seen a mock-up yeah. of. I know. I know what, what you it, did. I'm looking forward to seeing it work. Happy HF holidays! Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Unwrap one of Icom's HF transceivers. The gift every ham wants. Icom's new 7610 arrived just in time to make it to Santa's sleigh. This high-performance RMDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF Direct Sampling System, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. A gift for you or your favorite contester, IC7300 is a high-performance HF transceiver with a compact design. Don't miss a weak signal with the combination of the waterfall function and real-time spectrum scope. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios this holiday season. Everybody's wanting that 7610, Tommy. Yeah, count me in on that. Yeah, me too. We were supposed to be shooting a video on that uh, next weekend, but it's it's been postponed. We don't have a date yet. but uh, yeah, Hopefully still very soon. Though. Hopefully very soon we'll be having uh, a good thorough um, review on that radio and go yeah. into a lot of details with Ryan. Almost a smackdown, but I'm not sure what we're going to compare it with. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we compare it with. My seventy seven hundred, but it's too heavy to move back here. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it got it in the rack up there. 
Well, this this is a fun project. This, yeah. This was a really fun project, and there was a lot of stumbling blocks along the way, but, you know, it's just like any any other um, little programming project or, or a lot of your electronics projects, you know. You run into a brick wall, and you just got to stop and look for ways around or cracks in it or, I don't know, email, maybe a wormhole in it. But there's <laughs> there's usually a way to do what you want to do. You just you don't stop there. You keep mm-hmm. coming back at it till you find out what little piece of the puzzle is missing. Uh-huh. And in the end, you you come out with uh, you know a completed project that works. This is one right here that I needed, and I've got one thing left to do with it. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that when we get back. This is the first HF rig that I ever owned. It's a Yaesu 857D, and I used it for several years, and it worked fine. Eventually, though, I upgraded to other rigs, and this one sat on the shelf for several years. I decided that uh, I would put it in the pickup truck that I own. It's kind of a extra vehicle. I don't drive that much, and I thought I might as well put an HF rig in there. I've got it, and I did. Unfortunately, after a couple of years, it developed a little problem. And I understand this is common to these rigs. You see the lines in the display there? Well, uh, that's not very good. It makes it difficult to read the frequencies and other information on there. And the S meter, is that S7 or is that S3 that we're looking at there? Well, it's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? My friend Wayne, KG5RE, has the same rig with the same problem. Uh, supposedly, it's the display that's used in there. It's mounted to a board with conductive epoxy. And after being in a hot vehicle for a period of time, that epoxy begins to break loose. And uh, different segments uh, go out in the display, as you can see there. And it's not a good situation. I don't think you can buy the display itself. You may can send the head in to Yezu and have it repaired. I have not researched that option. I'm not sure what that cost. But I had some parts sitting around here. And I recall seeing Tommy's segment on a heads-up display for this exact rig back in episode 64 in March of 2014. And I thought, you know... Um, I'll look around and see what parts I've got. Maybe I could just build a heads-up display and use that with this. Tommy had used a monochrome LCD display with his, and that would have worked, but I got to looking around, and I had this 3.5-inch TFT LCD screen for an Arduino. It claims to be a touchscreen. I bought this at uh, Dayton Hamvention. However, upon further investigation, it's not a touchscreen at all, uh, which is not a big deal to me. I was just thinking 20 bucks, that's not a bad price for, um, you know, a graphics display that does RGB color. And this is it right here. It's based on an ILI9481 display. And I found that those are available from banggood.com. Uh, currently for only $10.73. On the rear of it, it doesn't say anything about being a touchscreen. 
There is a micro SD card slot on it, which I don't need right now, but could be handy for something in the future. And it takes a lot of I.O. pins to operate this. If you tried to use it with an Arduino Uno, you'd use up most all the I.O. pins that are available on there. So I'm going to be using it with uh, Arduino Mega instead. Now the Mega's got a little more memory on it and a lot more I.O. pins. And as a matter of fact, the example code I found on the display, the guy was using a Mega, so shouldn't have any problems there. You just mate the display onto the I.O. pins of the Mega, and I've still got plenty of I.O. pins left over on the sides here. I'm only going to use uh, pins 52 and 53 along with the ground to connect the TX and RX for serial communications, but there's plenty of I.O. ports left for other projects. Uh, you could put controls on there, push buttons, uh, anything you wanted, but I'm not going to do that at this point. We'll hook pin 52 of the Arduino to the TX connection on the cat slash linear connector and pin 53 of the Arduino to the RX pin on the connector and, of course, ground on the Arduino to ground on the connector. That pretty much covers the hardware portion of the project. Of course, I'll want to build some kind of box to mount this into. Now let's look at the software. And here, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to search on the Internet, find the individual pieces that I need to the puzzle, and then assemble them in a way that will do what I need. The first piece here is a cat library to work with the FT-857D. Fortunately, James Buck, VE3BUX, wrote one several years ago. This is the same one that Tommy used on his heads-up display, and that will save us a lot of work. Now, you can do this project for any rig that supports cat command or serial commands, but you'll have to do a little work. You can find this library at ve3bux.com. The next piece we're going to need is some way to do the serial communications between the Arduino and the rig. Unfortunately, our display uses the pins that would normally be used for serial communications. However, we can use the software serial library that's included with the Arduino IDE to use other pins. Now, just keep in mind that some pins on the Arduino will not work with this library. The two that we're using, 52 and 53, are supported by it. You can find more information at arduino.cc. We'll need software to translate commands to our display. Unfortunately, the LCD display library that comes with the Arduino IDE will not work with this display. I did a little searching and I found the driver we need on GitHub at the address shown on the screen. It allows us to do most of the basic graphic commands on the ILI9481 display. However, there's no text characters defined in the library. For that, we'll use the Adafruit GFX library that comes with a lot of included fonts, plus you can add your own fonts to it. Now, that's four different pieces of software I've downloaded. I'll need the right code to tie all these together, but there's one more function I want to add that I don't think I've ever seen on a rig before. You know, I've got a little extra room on this display because it's fairly good size, so I thought, why don't I put a count-up timer on it so that anytime you key the transmitter, it will start counting 
and let you know how long you've been transmitting. That could be handy to help you avoid timing out a repeater or any number of things. Now, a simple timer like that could easily be written on the Arduino, but I found one someone had already written, which meant it's been tested, and it works well, so that will save us a lot more time. You can find the count-up countdown timer at arduino.cc on the link I'm showing here on the screen. Now, most of this code is not super complicated. However, there's a good deal of it, more than we can cover here in this video. So I'm just going to give you a link here to the file where you can download the code and look at it yourself or actually use it in a project of your own. Well, let's see if this was worth all the effort. I could be looking at this on the display, and I might be able to guess what frequency I'm on, or I could be looking at this. Now the exposure's been turned down on the camera, so it's not quite as bright as it is in real life. It looks much better to the naked eye than it does through a camera. At the top there, I've got my call sign, my name, and then I'm displaying the mode, lower sideband, and RX for receive, and then I've got a big, nice display there to show me the frequency. And, of course, I'm in megahertz. And down at the bottom, I've got the S-units displayed as a numerical value and a bar graph that shows it as a graphic. When we begin transmitting, the indicator changes to TX, and the bar graph then displays power output. And it's a red bar there. The banding that you're seeing on it is not on the display. It's just an anomaly of the camera photographing it. And it's not actually calibrated to power output. It's just a rough approximation. In this case, we were transmitting with lower sideband. So you can see that modulation is affecting the power output. If we change modes to AM, then you'll notice it's a solid carrier there when we transmit. This is an inexpensive display, and it has a serial connection to the radio. If by chance the screen should become garbled, you can force it to redraw by just switching the radio to the packet mode. That way you don't have to power cycle the display in order to refresh the screen. Now here's a feature that I don't know that I've seen on a radio before. It's our count-up timer that keeps track of how long you've been keyed. You know, when you get excited or enthusiastic about a subject, it's easy to talk longer than you realize. This should help you prevent timing out repeaters. This display is not as nice as I've seen on radios that, you know, come with built-in color displays. However, it does help make this old radio a little more comfortable to operate, especially now that I can read the frequency again. As I mentioned earlier, you could build this project for any radio that has cat or serial commands on it. You could also expand it a lot with push buttons and such to give you a lot of different functions. It just depends on how much time you want to put into it. This project was a lot of fun to build, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of tinkering a little bit with the Arduino and putting that display to work. And the bonus is, I can actually use this radio again. That's nice, man. You you unup me. Yeah, you might have two up me on that one. That looks it's, you know, looking at that, it's like a whole different radio. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Uh, it, I like the color and like the size of it. A lot better than it's the almost little. looking like an IC seven thousand. 
It is awful lot like it, isn't it? Did you model it from that? Uh, no. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, I can't say sort I didn't because roughly. I own one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I like the timer feature. The timer feature was nice. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I just barely touched the amount of memory that's available on that Arduino Mega. There's all kinds of other stuff you could do with that. Yeah, it seemed like the Mega was was overkill, but I, I, I see where you're talking about. You need all those pins for your uh, for your display. Yeah, your display um, shield. The 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 display shield uses um, just about every pin on a, on a Arduino Uno, so you didn't have any place you could run the serial mm-hmm. to it. So. That's why I went with the Mega. I wonder but. if one of those uh, Nexteon displays would be uh, ideal for something like that. At first, when you were talking about replacing the display, I, I, th- I was thinking about those paper white displays that really have good contrast and easy to see in the daylight. Um, but uh, I don't think they'd be fast enough to show uh, like a signal signal meter. But, uh, I, if it was just frequency, it might be yeah. okay. I, I really don't know. I haven't seen one. Um but now that was ninety six hundred baud, Tommy. Yeah, you asked me about that. Yeah, was it going to display? Was was it going to update fast enough? Well, I was wondering about the uh, the S meter updating yeah. quick enough. The you know the refresh mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, it you know it's not exactly real time, but it's 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 close enough. Yeah, I mean you can tell when you're transmitting or or when a stronger station comes on, you can see the S meter go up. Uh, and it it tracks pretty close on the tuning. You know, it doesn't. It, well, yeah, it's like you know. my, it's like the one I had. It's just slightly behind when you spin right. it, so you mm-hmm. kind of need to just tune it a little slow. Yeah. I tried uh, stepping it up to the the next higher baud rate on the rig, but I just couldn't get communications working yeah. there. So ninety six hundred is what it took. Yeah, that's how I ended up having yeah. to do mine too. That's a that's a nice job. I'll, uh, you need to update this when you mount it in your truck. Show us how you get it yeah. mounted and everything, because I'd be curious to see the installation. Yeah, of it. I've got to figure out some kind of case to put it in, and I don't know what I'm going to use for that yet. I don't want it to be too big, but mm-hmm. you know, it's got to be big enough to house all of that. Um, but you know, the radio is a, well. It's the same radio, but it'll just be a little easier to operate now. Before, I really couldn't tell. Right, know, where I was tuned. Right, it was. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a nice tough. job, nice project. I think it's time we will get on into the holiday portion of the program here tonight. You're going to open up the Christmas spirits. Uh, well, I didn't bring any unless you did. No, I didn't. I do have the leg lamp. It's already out on display. Yeah, and uh, I would say it's a major award, but it's kind of small. Well, yeah, I'm not sure if we could have stood the whole thing. Stood. There's just been, uh, you know, too too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually looked for some others, but yeah. uh, you know, the the other ones were going to be so tall that they really wouldn't have been anywhere we could have put it here. That's yeah. true. That's true. So actually, this fits pretty good underneath the uh, the screen in the middle. Yeah. Well, Tommy, we got a little. Uh, Christmas present here recently. Oh yeah, it. Um, wow, it's transparent. <laughs> wow, but you, you don't even don't, have to open it. It must, it must be from cheap old man. Yeah, <laughs> you, you still can't tell. <laughs> yeah, what it is, even though it is transparent. It's a Christmas tree. Yeah. Oh wait, it's a flannel shirt. Oh wait, 
<laughs> These came from Canada. It's a beard care products. No, it's a Christmas tree. Don't matter what's really behind it. <laughs> came from Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah, it came from Canada. We got two of those. I've already opened mine. Well, cool. And well, been playing up, with. Want to open this up then? Yeah. Why don't you open that up and let's see what we got there? It sounds like a horror movie. It came from Canada. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I looked, I looked all over town to try to buy some of this stuff. Bondic? Mm-hmm. I, saw I remember it. you and I were talking about that about a year ago, I think. Yeah. And the nearest place was some someplace like an hour drive away from Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to order it, and I just never did. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. That's kind of interesting. Well, well here's try the irony. Um, the, the company is about an hour drive south of me. Oh, wow. Well. Not so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. And this is it right here. I, I've already opened it. I've done a few projects with mine now. Oh, have you? Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't recorded any of it. I've been looking for the right project, you know. Yeah. And and the couple of times I've used it, I really needed something right then that would, would solve the issue. And it, it's worked so far, Mike. It's, uh, it's And I wanted to show something with it tonight, but I just didn't grab anything yeah. tommy offered a couple well, of fingers but. yeah well, for those that don't know what it is it's uh it's called bondic and it's uh it's not a, it's not a glue actually i think that's the website it's called the website is it's not a glue.com if i remember right mm-hmm. or or it was um but anyway it's uh it's almost like a plastic filler you put the resin in and you and you hit it with the ultraviolet light and it cures instantly yeah, I don't have anything really to to stick together right here. I'm just going to put a little drop on this piece of paper. And you can see that's that's liquid, kind of smeary around. Kind of smeary. Kind of smeary. It's not a glue, though. Nope. They'll tell you that real quick, too. Although I've used it as a glue, and I've used it as um, to make parts with. Oh, yeah. To repair some plastic parts. Uh-huh. That, I think that that's what it's in. ideal for. Yeah. It's Merry Christmas. Yeah. So <laughs> they say this stuff will stay in this liquid state right here for, for a long time, so you don't have to worry about it drying out in the tube there. Yeah, as long as the UV doesn't yeah. hit it. To activate it, they, they give you this little ultraviolet LED here. Uh, you can... Either, you know, uh, squeeze it to turn it on, or you can turn it on manually there. And they said about four seconds. Just shine it on the material there. Would you say that's more than four seconds? I always like to overdo things as much as I can. (laughs) Check that. It's, you think that's still wet? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick your pen in it and see. That's your pen. <laughs> no, it's hard. Oh, I'm blocking the uh, the camera. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is. That's pretty cool stuff. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's going to come in handy. I'm just I'm looking for the right project to, to use it with. Anything you got... Anything you've got uh, plastic 
broken on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually is had it a... conductive? Say again? Is, is, is that material, glue, or whatever, conductive? No. Oh, no, so. no. It's kind of like... It's almost like a plastic. Yeah, I was just thinking that you could actually use it instead of solder, potentially, if it was conductive. Uh, that Well, yeah. Of course, you could use super glue, too, if it was conductive, but it's... Yeah. It, it's not. At least I don't think it is. Pretty sure Yeah, it's the, not. the cool thing about it is it's, uh, you can just, like, fill your parts in with it, cure it with uh-huh. that light, and then sand it. I think it sands well to sand yeah. down. There you go. If any of you are holding a, a tube of that stuff and got it's, it exposed, yeah, uh, it's, it's history now. Yeah. yeah. Look what Uh-oh. it does to the Christmas tree, man. Wow. <laughs> Make sure it's not turning off all the recorders. Yeah, now mine's still going. <laughs> um, I actually used it, Mike, on a bezel for a meter that went in a transmitter. You know, it was a, a plastic frame that went around the transmitter and had a couple of tabs that actually held it in place in the transmitter, and it, it had broken on the edges of it. And I, I took some of this, and I layered up new little tabs around it, did a, a little bit at a time, and cured it, added a little more till I got it built up like it needed to be. And it worked. Cool. Sure enough. Nice. Yep. And then one of my daughters, we were uh, decorating a Christmas tree this this past weekend. And she found a ceramic horse ornament. And she said, look how pretty this is, and immediately dropped it (laughs) (laughs) and broke a leg off of it. Look how pretty it was. And... uh, I said, well, they say it's not a glue, but I'm going to try it. It worked. Oh, yeah? Yep. You know, I was going to have to shoot that horse otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to kind of playing with it. Yeah, I'm going to do something with it. and uh, Well, one of us will, or, or maybe both of us will, do a segment on it, uh-huh. show it, you know, actually in in a good use besides just... Besides paper, plastic on, you know, but it does paper. plasticize paper really well. Yes, I don't know that I've got anything else that really does it the same way. Yeah, it's hard, just, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just a, it's really interesting. It's yeah. amazing. And they make that up by you, Mike? Well, the company's there. If you if you read the package, I think it's made from U.S. and Canadian materials. I'm not really sure what is what, but um, yeah, the the marketing company or the uh, the company that sells that product is is from Aurora, yeah. Ontario, which is uh, just a little bit north of Toronto. So did you go there to get it? They, I think they sell it I even in Walmart. You can find those all over the place here. Yeah, I, I saw it's in Walmart's here, so I actually went to the Walmart or actually Walmart's oh, really? up there, but they don't have it here. I went down the one here looking for it. Went to actually two of them. Hmm. Uh, had something I was going to try to repair with it. Well, thanks. That was a mighty nice Christmas gift, Mike. <laughs> no worries. My pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I th- you, as a matter of fact, you brought some other gifts for the viewers here tonight, didn't you? Uh, yeah, and um, before you roll the first one, I think we might need a disclaimer. Oh, yeah? Don't yeah. try this at home or what? Well, no. Any likeness, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I know where you're going with that. 
So let's let's roll the intro here for it. I wanted to call it the extra- extravaganza, but that's already been done. Oh yeah, yeah, true, true. It's a spectacular. So spectacular, t- yes. Tell us the the premise of this, Mike. What where does well, you know, this come from? How many years have you watched? Even as a kid, you've you've been watching the same old uh, Christmas class classics year after year, and and some of them are really gems. Don't get me wrong, and. Um, I, I'm sure I'm going to take some heat for, for even suggesting that some of these uh, classics, uh, even suggesting that they be remade or, or maybe even, uh, <laughs> you know, suggesting that, that maybe there needs to be a sequel. But um, uh, needless to say, I've, I think we need some new, some new Christmas uh, movies to watch over the holidays. And I didn't think it would be a, a bad idea if they were ham-related. Well, I was kind of quick on the draw. <laughs> that actor looks familiar, Mike. Yeah, he look he looks familiar, and and is that uh, Dean Martin? <laughs> no, it's it's actually um, it's actually uh, George Bailey, but uh, let, let's just call him Tommy. <laughs> well. The idea for this one is uh, he struck a big, he won the Powerball lottery, and um, and you can see him, he's he's jumping for joy there. Well, that's all and he goes said. into a ham store, he wants, he wants the biggest radio you can get. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't wait long enough because I'm sure if he would have held out, uh, he would have found that there's, there's much bigger and more expensive radios he could have purchased yeah. with his winnings. You know, I, I was going to say, just based on that shot right there, that... Maybe he was talking about the the DX that got away. But, yeah. <laughs> he looks, looks a lot a like, like Dean Peter Martin. Rooney. What was that, Peter? It looks a little bit like, looks a little bit like uh, Mickey Rooney. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got another one here. This one, um, well, I thought this one was pretty interesting. We've seen this character before. I'll have a Mike. Well, that's Santa Ray, and I guess his backup band is called the Martians. But um, <laughs> uh, there's there's only one guy that really could could fit this role, yeah. and uh, that's of course our uh, our friend Ray. I mean, he's the only one that that's got the knack and and can get things moving. And if anybody can can coerce a Martian into into packing up uh, radio equipment, in fact. Uh, those, those ray guns are not ray guns. They're actually barcode scanners uh, for the packing slips and, and the uh, and the address tags. But, um, he's wow. a he's a popular guy. And it's in 3D. It's in 3D. Wow! I can't wait to see that sequel. And and in blazing space color. That's right. Yep. <laughs> well. Oh, I, th- I think maybe I've I've seen this guy in this next one in something before. Mm, I, I can't remember what though. <laughs> oh, <it's> a- 
<laughs> All he wanted was a Tommy pneumatic action and tent launcher for Christmas. But, you know... Um, you could have shoot your eye he, out. He was, a, he was a poor ham child of cheap parents. So yeah. he had to make his own. Well, it looked like Son of Wright was in this one, too. He's a popular guy. Yeah. And then he gets around. Is that the Red Rider antenna launcher he's got there in the top photo? That's a Tommy pneumatic action antenna launcher gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Homebrew. Just looking here, I, I can't think of where I've seen that some of that stuff before. Or yeah. maybe the actor. I know he's been in something else. Yeah, something's really familiar about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, well, I don't know. We we need something for the pet lovers, too, I guess. You know, they're a big part of the holiday season to some folks. really likes cats, but not in the way that you think. <laughs> it's sort of like chicken, I, I, huh? I'm thinking they're more of a delicacy for him. Yeah. But uh, he needs to make a comeback. I, that was a great show, and um, I don't know why it went off the air, because it was only on for, about, I think, about four seasons. And um, for those of you who have never uh, never seen it, uh, it's an alien that crash lands in the, uh, in the garage. And uh, he's just a... Um, a house guest that never leaves. And apparently, you know, into electronics and communications in particular. Yes, George, I, ha- I had no idea you were affiliated there in that lab. But he's old school. And, Peter, you were talking about this earlier uh, off camera about boat anchors. And uh, there's there's no SDR in his shack, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well... I guess the holiday seasons, you know, a lot of, a lot of people travel. They've, they've got family to go see. Um, you know, it's the only time of year that you can get everybody together. Yeah. And those, those type of movies, you know, they're, they're one of my favorites as well. <laughs> hmm. Christmas, Christmas is coming, and so is Cousin Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know the story here is, eh, George? Yeah. Cousin Tommy won. He struck a big. He won the lottery too. But the but the difference is, he, he spent all his money on that that nice communications van, and he bought himself a nice ham rig. And then the rest of the winnings, he actually bought more lottery tickets, but they didn't even pay out. So. He had nowhere to go and nowhere to live, so he's depending on the, straight, the kindness of his relatives now. Wow! So he's, he set up his ham shack in front of his uh, in front of his cousin's place. It's yeah. a, a nice look. Yeah, he could just stay in the driveway there. <laughs> that should be a good sequel too. Yeah, I can't wait for that one to come out. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those where they need that big booming voice. They came, they contested, they left without him. <laughs> like Crocodile Dundee. Is this, this is, uh, it doesn't look like it's filmed around here. No, I think it's filmed on Christmas Island. Okay. You can see there's a, there's a little tiny uh, Christmas tree in the lower right hand corner of that, of that shot there. It took that straight from Charlie Brown. <laughs> exactly. 
because I, I think that's indicative of how long he's been left there. I don't think they came back to collect him. <laughs> they might be in the upside down. It could be in the upside down. <laughs> you know, it looks like all of these have an all-star cast there, Mike, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen most of my favorite actors yeah. right here on these. <laughs> There's only one guy missing, though. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> what, what could he possibly star in? Well, only one thing. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that just kind of just like jumped right out and wrote itself, I think, on that one. <laughs> that looks like Hef's robe. Yeah, <laughs> <it's ours>. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't afford three ghosts, so there's only one, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also notice there's not a candle in the in the glass holder there. Yeah, so. <laughs> no spare, no expenses spared at all. <laughs> Supply your own light. A cheap old Carol. It's making a nice shadow, though. Yeah, Somehow. it is. To not not really be lit up, is it, Mike? I want to thank you for uh, bringing us a little a, a little insight. I don't know into, what to call it either, George. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> a little something. Yeah, so, more stuff. Somebody in the yeah. chat room said it's email news or Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good, good name for it. There. Well, those are awesome. They're, they're great. They're going to be great movies, and I'll be one of the first ones in to see them when yeah. they come out. You can guarantee it. Between this, you know, the holiday gift that we had a few years back, and then that classic album collection, man. Yeah. You know, there ought to be something for everybody for Christmas. Yeah, you know, I thought Rock and Ray was going to hang his microphone up, but I I see he decided not to. You know, and that wasn't exactly the same song either. No, it's a a revised version. Yeah. It's uh, new and improved. Now, now George and and Tommy, you guys are going to have to uh, watch out how you um, ship those uh, leg lamps and things around because, you know, they are fragile. Yeah. Italian. They weren't Italian. <laughs> well, well, Mike, oh, man, we, we really appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun anytime you join us, especially, um, you know, during the holiday season. Yeah, actually, uh, maybe this is a good time to wish everybody a safe and happy holiday. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Hey, Peter, I got a question. Did you make any contacts from the jungle? Uh, From the jungle? Uh, Well, must have been a long time ago. I don't quite recall the uh, 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 being there, but uh, uh, I'm sure I would have made lots of contacts. (laughs) This big, huh? (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, provided the... um, If it was on Christmas Island... uh, I think I would have been contacted by many, many crabs which uh, flood Christmas Island this time of year. Yep. Well, um, always a lot of fun. Just to kind of... That took a while to pull out, though, didn't it, Mike? I know we've, we've been talking about this. Well, 
I don't know, a month or so. I, I went through my uh, my entire collection of stock footage, and um, there was there was there was quite a bit of pixel editing in there that had to be done. But uh, oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to build up a, another supply, I guess, for uh, for uh, any upcoming uh, 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 new shows or or um, things like that. Wow. Yeah, those were those were great. It's uh, some of the things you come up with pretty just kind of amazes me. Yeah. Like, I would have never thought to put some of them together. Yeah, and some of them I'd kind of rather you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, boy, we enjoy uh, doing the shows here. You know, it's been a, another great year on Amateur Logic. Yeah. Uh, I guess, oh, well, it'll be a new year when we come back. It will. Now, you and I will be back sometime toward the end of the month. To do it for Ham College, but the next Amateur Logic will be in a brand new year. And those have been going pretty good too. We've had, um, yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of people watching Ham College. Made it a good many hams this past mm-hmm. year too. Yeah, well, yeah, we've been getting a lot of great feedback from that. A lot, of, a lot of people are learning from it. Mm-hmm. Heck, I'm learning a lot from it. Yeah, since we've been given into the uh, the general question pool and. Doing a lot of the, mm-hmm. the experimentation things we've been doing here. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Peter, that's another good resource, even though, you know, we're, we're covering the um, American exams here on amateur radio. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everything in there is pretty much applicable down there as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the regulations might be slightly different, but mm-hmm. essentially the theory is exactly the same. So mm-hmm. if you watch Ham College... Uh, you can pick up a lot, and it'll make learning for your exam a lot easier. Yep. Well, yeah, and, did, and ditto for the uh, Canadian amateurs as well, or, or wannabe Canadian amateurs. Uh, basically, I would say 97% of the regulations are, are, are the same as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like Peter mentioned, the uh, theory's theory. Yeah, that doesn't really change. No. Just upside down. Well, yeah. <laughs> Before we go, um, a quick question. Um, I presume Santa will be on the air this year uh, as, you, as usual? Uh, yeah, Santa has been on uh, on 75 meters at 39.16 kilohertz. Uh, mm-hmm. The Santa net's been going there every night. I, I'm not sure how long now, but at least a few days, I believe. Oh yeah, and it'll be going on um, till Christmas. Yeah, and our friend uh, at the Dewdrop Dewdrop Inn on Echo Link, they used to have the Santa Watch. Yeah, net. I, I'm thinking I'm they probably, sure probably do this year. I haven't heard. Yeah, but. he's had it every year I can remember, so I'm yeah. pretty sure Dave yeah. in three and TV. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure he'll have it again this year. So yeah. kind of watch for that. Can you get a, see, can you get a, sorry, can you get a QSL card from Santa? You know, I, I didn't hear Santa say anything about that. I think he's kind of tied up with the Martians, but maybe you can. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are barcode readers, not printers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you saying what? No, I was just, just going to mention, I believe there's a 10-meter contest on this weekend, and uh, I'm not sure what the state of the bands are. I don't imagine they're fantastic, but... Um, I was surprised to hear that there's a 10-meter uh, contest on for this time of year on 10 meters. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I want to throw two things out there, George, if we got a minute. Yeah. All right. There are two 
year-long uh, uh, events for next year, 2018, right? One of them starting this weekend. Um, NASA on the air. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Um, uh, all of the all of the space centers and centers are starting to be on the air. They're going to go from December to December, and there's a contest there to see how many you can contact. Uh, of wow. course, I'm down here by Stennis, so I'm going to try to work that one a bit. So um, Huntsville, Huntsville will be on. Um, I'm sure. I, I didn't look. There is a site. I think it's NASA on the air. Um, mm-hmm. If you look that up, you're going to find all of the stations that are participating. I don't see if they're going to do uh, that. I don't see how Huntsville wouldn't be on. They got a lot of hams exactly. there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so the, the second one, it's going to be um, is the grid chase, the international grid chase from the AWRL, and that one uh, seems to be well suited, Peter, for FT8 and some of the other uh, modes because <clears throat> there's a there's a lot of, I guess chatter about that and who's going to do it uh, but i can't imagine a, a global grid chase uh contest uh-huh. but that's going to be happening just like the npoda did last year or the national parks on the air it's going to go all year so i hope to see some of our uh, people out there and make some contacts with people wow yeah cool. yeah cool I, I wasn't aware of that so appreciate you bringing that up i'm gonna check into that yeah that'd be kind of fun yeah it will be in a uh, you know, I visited the Houston Space Center before when I was um, mm-hmm. visiting my son over there, and the, it was field day one year. We actually had yeah, it here uh, on yeah, the show. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So they've, they've got a club out there, a nice shack as well. I've been to all the ones around, but uh, that's the one I haven't been to yet. Mm-hmm. So I've been to Houston, but I've never made it to the Space Center. I plan to, though. Yep. Well, before we get out of here, let's let's go around one more time and... Um, just check in with everybody. I guess we'll start with Peter. Peter, uh, what holiday plans do you have this year? Uh, just to uh, take care on the roads uh, and um, spend time with the family and uh, also um, actually get on the air, actually, a little bit. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, you know, making amateur logic actually drags you away from ham radio a lot of the time. So uh, it'd be nice just to get all along and actually uh, talk to a few people I haven't talked to for a little while. Yeah. You know, the Christmas traditions, I would imagine, are pretty much the same down there. Yeah. You know, we'll have turkey or ham here maybe, you know, something like that. Do you all have kangaroo or what do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 absolutely nothing, um, uh, shall we say, local. The only thing I can think of that, that would be a local dish that might come out at um, at Christmas time would be pavlova, which is, uh, well, it's arguable whether it's a New Zealand or an Australian invention, but uh, it's a sweet passion fruit dessert. And uh, But generally, we because the weather uh, is changeable here, um, we will uh, adjust... <laughs> what we're cooking according to the weather. So if it's a, a really hot day uh, or a warm day, we might have um, cold meats. Uh, at other times, if the weather is just fine, we'll have a barbecue. Uh, that's very popular. Um, but again, um, if it's a cold day, we'll uh, we'll have a roast of some kind. 
Okay. Preferably turkey. Yeah. Right, but it's not a traditional meal you have every Christmas. Um, Typically. No, the only traditional meal that I can think of is that we beat the palms in, um, in the ashes test. Uh, once a year or every couple of years. So uh, we make a meal of them. <laughs> okay, I think that was a sports reference. Yeah. Oh, Soccer? Yeah. Okay. No, cricket. Cricket. cricket? Incidentally, we actually got the uh, um, the Ashes tests uh, running at the moment, and we're leading 2-0 after two tests. So oh. I think we're going to have it in the bag. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Well, Emil, what about... Um, down there, just a little bit south of us, y'all, are, are you going to roast a gator, or, or what are you going to crowd no roast? No roasted gators. Yeah. Um, they tend to hide this time of year, or especially this them. year. It's uh, snowing out. Uh, down down under here, it's snowing. So, the uh, you know, we're going to go hang out with family and, and do what we normally do and celebrate. And just got off of being thankful right and we'll we'll continue that tradition and uh so i'll just i'll, I'll throw it out back to the audience there uh, merry christmas and happy new years because we won't see you until the next time and uh thanks for what you guys do yeah. hey i'm curious do you do you guys uh fry turkey down there emil do you ever do yeah, that yeah yeah fried turkey that this past thanksgiving we uh went up to tennessee actually yeah and uh memphis and we we smoked one and we fried one yeah, we're uh, we're gonna actually fry one this Christmas. We quit doing it. We did them for a long time. Every year it was sort of a tradition. And then they decided to quit, and now all of a sudden they want to do it again. So I had to go put a new regulator on my burner and everything. Get all that ready last weekend. So you get your fire extinguisher charged. Up. Yeah, get my fire extinguisher charged <laughs> up. And yeah. I get my metal flame retardant suit. Yeah. Well, you going uh, you going to Jimmy mode? <laughs> Hand <laughs> do it by hand. <laughs> I may I may forget, do some parts recovery to too. William Shatner's safety video on frying turkeys. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, I know it's bound to be moose up there. <laughs> you know, I had some clips, but I didn't have them ready in time. But uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll send them on anyway, and maybe um, you can you can watch them on the next one. But um, we had uh, Muskeg the Moose was on the loose up here a couple of weeks ago, and he was causing mayhem in one of the larger centers north of Toronto, um, running through backyards and running. It, it actually looked like a scene from, um, well, I'm dating myself, but uh, when, when OJ was driving the white van down the road, down the highway, and there was nobody else on the road, yeah. well, here's this moose trotting down the, down the, down the road. And all the cars are, are kind of off to the side, and um, they must have been uh, filming the footage with a helicopter. But uh, oh, wow. this this moose moose was really uh, confused. He was he was going into into backyards and and knocking down fences and causing all kinds of mayhem. It was it was uh, quite quite spectacular. That was on the news down here, was it? Yeah, it made the it made the news here. Wow. So yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me because. You know that's a little uh, that's a little far south uh, for moose generally. I mean, there are some marshy areas and swamp which they could migrate to, but uh, they're generally not found that far south. And um, and especially where he was, it was a quite a quite a densely populated area. And uh, like I said, he was causing 
causing all kinds of mayhem. And um, poor city slickers, they didn't know what to do. Um, the moose is on the loose. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, we we don't have anything that big around here. We don't have so. that much excitement. No. Not, not quite that much. Wow. Well, he he took down this fence like it was made out of paper. Like these these things weigh well the males, and I think this was a young male. Um, at least it looked like in the video it was. It wasn't a huge moose, but obviously it was big enough. It just it just uh, put its two front legs up on that on the top of the fence, and the fence will, you know just went over, and he just carried on like it was nothing. Wow. Yeah, those things are so big. Did you, did you see a raccoon nearby? A, rac- a raccoon? Yeah. Right. No, but we've got lots of those. No, moose, sorry, Peter? moose and squirrel. Uh, mo- I thought you that's right. Moose and squirrel. That's yeah, right. Sorry. It was yeah. A squirrel. Yeah, yeah, it was a squirrel. Yeah. But back back to the turkey. I, I've never had a deep-fried turkey. I'm going to have to find out how I can try that sometimes. I know I know the, uh, you know the the guys that are into hunting that, that actually hunt their own turkeys, um, they they have the big. Uh, it looks like a big kettle, and it hooks up to a propane cylinder, and you uh-huh. fill it up with oil, I guess, and you cook it that way. But I've never had any, but I hear it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You have to get the uh, Cajun season and then the injector, and you inject the turkey like the night before, and wow. the season kind of works through the, through the meat when you cook it. it it's really good. Yeah. You've had it, haven't you? I I had never had one until last year, it, and it, boy, it. It is really good. It's huh? good. You would think it's greasy, but but it's no, really it's not. not. It's like the skin kind of keeps it from. You would never I guess it's so hot, the oil that it just cooks so quickly uh-huh. uh, and seals the outside. I guess. Yeah, you would never know it was fried. Uh, at least I, the one I had, you you wouldn't have known that. And I uh, I got another one this year where they give them to us at work. And I've got a Uncle Ray's. Uh, mine is a mild season. It's not the uh, spicy Cajun season. Oh yeah, uh, but it boy, it, everybody really loved it last year. Yeah, that. it's it's really good. But but I tell you, the worst part about it is cleaning it up afterwards. <laughs> it, it's a, it's an okay. ordeal to clean, and we we've got to take the burner and the pot over to um, brother in law's place. So I'll have to clean all that stuff over there before I can even put it back in the car to come home. So. so It'll be his house you're burning down. Is that? Yeah. What? It's brand, he's getting a brand new house, too, so. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, we appreciate everyone uh, watching Amateur Logic for the past year. It's been a lot of fun. We're looking forward to a great 2018 as well. Yep. Yeah, we'll be back for another year. Yep. We want to thank you all for, for hanging with us and... You know, I will give you a sneak peek of what we got planned for next year, but we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really true. Yeah. It is. It goes month to month. So, depends on what we're into. I Whatever so. we're going to be into, we're yep. going to take you along, too. So, yep. So anyway, you guys uh, be safe out there and uh, don't drink and drive. Christmas mm-hmm. parties. And uh, mm-hmm. we guess we'll see you. Have a Merry Christmas. And. We'll see you next year. Yep. And uh, join us for Ham College. I wish I had the date, but we haven't set it yet. But it'll be toward the end of the year. We'll be. Yeah. Watch the usual uh, social media outlets, and we'll be posting it when we get the date set. Yeah.
All right, seven three, everyone. Oh, seven three. Seven three. Was Monty Python a big thing over there? He's the, he's the same size no matter where he goes. <laughs>